What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Nathan, happy Festivus. Happy Festivus to all of you. This is the special TFL first ever episode of the Festivus holiday of the airing of automotive grievances. That's right. We're adding this to the holiday, which is already prominent. So you want to explain to those younger viewers who don't know what Festivus is? Yeah. Uh, so for those of you, there used to be a guy who was on television named Jerry Seinfeld and <laughs> his show, which was called Seinfeld, a comedy show about nothing is actually what they would call it, uh, had a character on there and that character invented a holiday called Festivus. Okay. That holiday, among other things, instead of having a tree, it had a pole, um, also had a series of events that would be repeated every year, just like, I don't know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, what have you. And that meant certain things would be done every year, including the airing of grievances, which, of course, the father would do and yell at his family about certain things that he felt were wrong. So we're going to air automotive grievances in this episode. In fact, we've got top 20 automotive grievances that we have stored up throughout the last uh, year of driving every vehicle out there. Pretty much. And we want you to to participate. Too much uh, eggnog. Uh, so please, at the end of this Write down what you want to add to this list. I'm sure you have grievances as well. And we're not doing the feats of strength, Nathan, because you, you'd win that. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> but that, well, that Tommy would whoop both of us. Damn whippersnappers. So if you're waiting for the feats of strength. It's not going to happen It's not going to happen. Nah. But before, hey, before we hear some grievances, uh, let me just uh, be thankful, because this time of year it's a good time to be thankful, for uh, some things before we get down and dirty and really grumpy old manny. Uh, so first, I'm thankful for our Patreon. Yes. Uh, all the people who support us. Without you guys, this would not be possible. If you want to help support this podcast, head on over to uh, TFL Car slash Patreon. Um, or no, it's Patreon slash TFL Car. I got that wrong. Uh, and thank you guys for supporting us. Thank you for making uh, this possible. Of course, all of our viewers out there as well. You guys are the best. Yeah, without you, we wouldn't be here. There's like, you know, like 30 million of you each month who either listen to our podcast or watch our videos or go to the websites or go to our TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I mean, social media is awesome when it works in our favor. So thank you, guys. <laughs> and, of course, we need to thank our uh, business partners, which are the manufacturers. You guys know who you are. So thank you for the invitations to go drive new cars uh, and to live this incredible lifestyle that we're um, you know, privileged to live, and we understand that. Oh, yeah, we are blessed. Every single day, I think... Pretty much everybody except for Roman, the fact that I am here doing this, and it's, it's, it's such an honor, and I love this job. All right, let's start airing some grievances, but before we get to the automotive one, can I give you a major one uh, that, actually I've got three big ones, but I'm going to give you at least two of the three uh, that happened to me recently. Okay. And this is, this is not an automotive one, but I think you'll appreciate this. Okay. So as you know, I was uh, driving the uh, EV6 GT last week in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, that thing is hot. Yeah, that thing is super hot. Uh, and um, as I arrive at Las Vegas at 9 o'clock at night, I get a little uh, email from Discover card, mm -hmm. which is a credit card that I've been using since, I think, 1997. So okay. how, how long is that? 25 years, something like Too that? Too long. 30 years, yeah, 1997, I've been a member, use it forever, uh, and I get a card saying that my um, transaction was declined. 
And I'm like, well, that's no good. Yeah. But probably not a big deal. And then I go look at the transaction, and it was probably the most important transaction. In other words, the most important thing I paid for, I discover, uh, all year. And that was I've been really struggling, Nathan, to renew my passport. It's a, it's a really hard thing to do now. And yeah. I need my passport to do this job, right, because I travel for this job. I travel internationally. This year I was very lucky to go to Korea, Europe a whole bunch of times. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's work travel. It's what allows me to pay my bills, feed my family, pay the mortgage, yada, 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 right? So it's important to me. Uh, so and, and it's been really frustrating because I'm using the service that does the passport renewal, and you got to basically fill out this hairy online form, right? And then you got to send them the passport, which I did, and then I uploaded some pictures, and then they came back to me, and they said, oh, that's no good. you got to go get regular passport pictures where you can't smile anymore, so you're like, Rrr. Yeah. So I, I do those, so I send those, and they said, oh, by the way, uh, the passport you sent us on the application, the signature does not match because my signature over the last 10 years has changed. So then I had to go re-submit the entire application, right? So finally, I got this thing. I'm one of these people who does checklists, so I checked that off my list. And then I'm in Vegas about to start this program. And they had billed Discover $407 to do this passport renewal, and Discover had declined it. And you know why Discover declined it? Why? Because I went over my limit. And you know why I went over my limit? Because I bought my wife a very expensive chair. Ever watch Frasier? Did you watch Frasier? Yeah, there's yeah, that sure. like there's like that famous chair that 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 is in the show that, that kind of is off the side. I forget the name of it, but yeah, it's it's I, a, it's like a designer chair, and it's expensive. Days that it's I, for her birthday, I bought her this six thousand dollar chair because she works harder than I do, and so I you know I felt like this is something she wanted. So I bought her this chair, and that that basically uh, what it did was it it you know it took us to the limit of our of our credit right. card so limit. Right. So you overdid it. With yeah, I overdid it with the chair, right? Plus whatever you know normal stuff I but put on it. But you think? Okay, I'm sorry. So, keep, so keep here's going. where the grievance comes in. So I call up Discover, mm -hmm. and I'm like, Hey guys, um, this is an important transaction. It's not like a dinner. It's not like you know. It's it's something that I need you to okay and reverse because I need my passport and. The longer this takes, you know, because a passport renewal now takes like six weeks, and yeah. so I'm going to be without a passport for at least six weeks, if not longer. So this is very important. And I was very forthright. I'm like, I, my job depends on this, right? It's not like a dinner that you declined where, you know, I can whip out a different credit card. And they're like, well, sir, what we could do is we could potentially call the company and see if they're – because here's the deal, right? Here's the deal. Um, the transaction was for $407, I believe, and my limit would have was 400 at that point. Oh, for credit. So they declined it over $7. Seven freaking dollars they declined it. And they go, well, we need to call up this company. Maybe we can work something out. And I'm like, it's 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> How are you, okay. you going to call the company, right? Oh, for credit. Lab. And they're like, well, what we could do then, sir, is if you want, we could you could submit an application where you raise your credit limit. And I'm like... Okay, let's do that. And they go, doo -doo 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 -doo, you know, on the, on the computer, right? And they come back and they said, oh, I noticed that this is a joint credit card with you and your wife. I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh, they need you to, to, to have your wife call? Yeah, they need my wife on the phone. What a pain. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but there's a problem with that, you see? Because the first question out of her mouth is going to be what? Why what? are you overdrafted? <laughs> Because this, she doesn't know about the seat, because he bought the seat for her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I can't do that. Oh, for crying out loud. Right. And they're like, uh, and they're like uh, well, then we can't help you. And I'm like, guys, I've been with you for, what, since 95 years. years. I, I, I never go over the limit. I always, you know, I'm one of these people who always pays, you know, I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars you have made on me as a customer. And you're going to, you're willing to, you know, 
to do this for seven dollars for seven freaking dollars and they're and they're like can't help you i'm like can i speak to your manager okay get the manager explain the same thing nope can't help you and i'm like can i give you a different credit card no we can't take a credit card so can i give you a credit card for the seven bucks seriously no no so so it was extremely frustrating and it just it's a grievance because it just shows you that these companies, no matter you know what they say in their emails, no matter what they say on commercials, at the end of the day, at least Discover in this case, made me feel, in my opinion, like they don't give a rat's ass about the fact that I've been a customer of theirs for 30 years. I've paid my bills on time for 30 years. And for seven freaking dollars, Nathan, they were going to jeopardize my job. So Seven dollars. That's the way I looked at it. So to wrap this up, did it get resolved? No, no, it didn't get resolved. Okay, they sent so. me a survey. Were you happy with our with our customer? Yeah, F no. But you know what? There's the thing about surveys. If they don't read them, they're meaningless. You know, yeah, you know, I know. I mean, cor- it goes to some company. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, so uh, I guess so, you're staying here. Well, use Tommy's uh, passport for now. You'll so, be fine. So if you guys have a credit card you're happy with, uh, uh, please let me know in the comments. I will read the comments because I told them I was going to switch credit card companies after that, and I will switch credit card companies, but I need to know a good one because, you know, if you go online and do, like, best credit card companies, you're going to get some BS list. Of, well, of course, because they pay for it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I need to know real experiences, who you're happy with. Let me know, and I will happily switch because apparently all Discover cares about is $7 as opposed to a lifelong relationship. Yeah, with- that, that is really ridiculous. You would imagine this would be considered some sort of emergency or something like that. And, and, and you know, and I spent, like, what, 30 years discovering where they don't take them, which was the old joke, which yeah, is still true. Yeah, it, uh, that is ridiculous and repugnant, and I, I apologize. My credit card guy... Is, his name is Vinny. Okay. And he lives, he's in Jersey. And what he does is he does loans based on the equity of your property. Um, and, and, and the size of your bones. Well, well pretty much, yeah. So if, if you can fit in the trunk of his car, then you're good to go. So um, I, I would say that I, I'm sorry for your loss. And at the same time, I guess Andre and I will have to go on these events instead of you. All right, let's move on. All right, let's let's <laughs> let's do this backwards. Let's start at twenty and go to one. Yeah, and these are not exactly in order. Actually, I, I should say that um, I, I like twenty. I think twenty is a huge one that we're all going to be uh, talking about next year, and that is a really great one. Why don't you talk about it? Okay. So for those of you out there who are angry about subscriptions, guess what? That's going to become an issue because already car companies are charging for things like heated seats in China. In China, on a monthly basis. That's BMW. But it's going to continue. And there are other car companies here in the United States that are charging for other services as well. Yeah, so Mercedes just introduced the fact that if you want uh, to make your electric Mercedes quicker, uh, you have to pay, I think it's either 1200 or 1500 i got to look it up again. It's one of those two annually. Uh, to get an increase of about half a second from zero to 60s. If you if you own like an EQS or if you own an EQE, one of those vehicles. And it's just software. It's, it's, it's just it, software, yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with the actual mechanics of the vehicle. And, and let's thank Tesla for this uh, because they were the one who introduced it with full self-driving, right? Mm-hmm. And luckily they did a one-time payment, but now with, with full self-driving, uh, you can also pay... Uh, monthly to, to get the latest feature, but basically what the car companies are going to be doing, and it's coming, so get ready for it, uh, is charging you, and I would say nickeling and diming you for things that once upon a time you thought you owned when you bought the vehicle. I think the big issue is going to hit with people who are in the value section of buying a car, those who cannot afford to necessarily have to pay for something like heated seats every month 
How ridiculous is that? Just put that at the end of the price of the vehicle, what it's supposed to be worth, and be done with it. At least then they won't buy the car anyway. But, you know, I, I just I find the idea of having to do these subscriptions as asinine and... It's, it's also it also you know what it does it turns selfish. like Mercedes and BMW and I'm talking to you guys into the dollar store right because mm-hmm. it makes it seem like the brand would feel like it's it's better than that right like yeah. like like they make their money by selling you very well engineered very long lasting very precise you, you get what you pay for type thing right yeah car it's like it's like the difference between going and buying some crappy knockoff toothpaste at the dollar store right where they where because you know it's a lost leader right they make their money on other things right now that's kind of the business model that, that a lot of these manufacturers are following so i think inherently if you're a fan of like one of the especially one of the premium brands it devalues the brand and i was doing a lot of thinking about this nathan Mm -hmm. i think in a way porsche has been doing this with their you know um getting you for every like additional thing you want for the car for the longest they've been nickel and diming people for years right right right. you want the chrono package well that's going to be two thousand dollars but you can't get that package without this package without this package Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean there is there is precedence there precedence there but but at some point, I think people are going to get, and I think a lot of us are there, are really sick of these monthly subscriptions. And, you know, I just thank their Patreon. <laughs> and I'm well aware Thanks, of the guys. irony. Yes. I, I get the irony but, of that, so I thank you. But, but you know, uh, I think it's different when you got to do Hulu, you got to do Netflix, you got to do Prime, you got to do your, you know, your your car acceleration, and God knows what else is coming down Well, the if pike. you're like me, you want to be one and done with the car, pay it off as quickly as possible in cash or Seriously. Serious is another one. And be done with it and not have to do these subscriptions. And it's just, it's another thing that just kind of points to greed. There's absolutely no reason why someone should have to pay a monthly fee for heated seats at the very least. So I have a real issue with that. It's coming, but yeah, it's it's not a good trend. Well, it's there in China. So there's millions and millions and millions of people who are already dealing with it. And it's probably successful there. As such, it's going to wind up here. Another one that I think is a failure that VinFast for a while tried to do, that was to actually separate the vehicle from the battery. Are they still? I thought they were still doing that. So I think Renault did it in Europe, and it became such a nightmare that they actually wrote it off. It it was like, like there you could... Buy the car and rent the battery, but then what happens if you own the car for a year and you have a three-year lease on the battery and you want to sell the car? How do you sell the lease on the battery? You see the problem. Well, you right? keep the battery in your bedroom and it just sits no, there. I think what happened, what happened in Europe was you'd sell the car but keep paying on the battery. I know. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I, I, but but Vin, VinFast still isn't here officially in the United States. Oh, yeah. They, they took, no, but they, they're not, we're not driving them yet. They're, they're here. They're, we're got, not driving them. Uh, we're not. But they're here, dude. They got 999 cars delivered, and they just opened up another showroom in San Francisco. They are here. Until TFL drives them, they're <laughs> okay, not officially fair enough. here. Did you hear that, VinFast? You should have sent uh, Nathan on that uh, boondoggle. To, that was another one. Could I talk about that? that no, why a, not? I mean, it's it's fair enough. I mean, so So, so, so VinFast did this, like, I'm going to call it a boondoggle. And boondog- they're not the only ones who have done this. They did a seven-day trip to Vietnam, and it was, it was definitely a boondoggle because I think I think you got to drive the VinFast for a total of like five minutes. If that. If that, yeah. So five minutes for seven days in Vietnam, staying at luxury resorts, uh, eating, you know, the most expensive meals, basically a free vacation to, um, and, you know, I, I kind of pride myself on the fact that at TFL, we try to be real and serious automotive journalists and not influencers, right? Even, right. even though we live in that world, right? So I was, here's the thing that bummed me out, right? I was bummed out that 
Not that I didn't get invited, but that I didn't get invited and that I, that I couldn't turn him down because I, I would have turned down that trip. It, it's one of those things where, for us, when we go to a trip, so every single TFL trip that we go to for a press event, we work as much as possible. Often we'll miss a meal or two. And I'm not saying feel pity for us. We love this job. But the bottom line yeah, is... Yeah, we're editing videos. we got to get videos out there yeah. to you guys. At, at the very least, we have to get it like two or three videos. That's kind of... The sites we always set, you know, boom, that's what we have to do. Because that's what pays the bills, right? We, we have yeah. no, there's, you know, we've pulled ourselves up, thanks to people like Nathan, by our bootstraps, right? Me and uh, Nathan started this, well, I started, but then you came on very early. 13 years ago. Yeah, you know, and we were, remember, we were doing a video a day for like we, two years. We were cranking them out, and, you know, we were just doing whatever we could to keep it going. Now, other people have as well, but... The real point here is that hard work pays off, and, and that's why we've grown and, and we're doing really well. But if we settle on our laurels now and we just go, hey, paid vacation, and I know you guys have read about this or seen videos about how certain outlets, not just automotive, but any outlet, go to these things and basically they're getting paid for their testimony on something, that happens a lot. It does. In our case, absolutely not. We go and we test the vehicle. We test it. Yeah, okay, I'm going to eat a couple lobster dinners. Hell yeah. You don't get this size without a couple lobsters in your belly. But the point <laughs> is is that a lot of the people who go on trips like this one. I don't, I don't like lobster or fish, actually. I know. I, I, can't, I can't. Sometimes I can't with you. Sometimes I can't. So anyway, um, the point is, is that when we go to these things, we work. And a lot of our, some of our contemporaries do that as well. But there's a lot who don't. And this trip, when we read about it, and we're looking at the list of people who so, went, so it was I, like, oh, God. So here's the funny part. This is the part where I would have just taken a hammer and smashed my head into, into like, you know, is it the award? million pieces. Yeah, the yeah, award. Okay. Apparently on the first, there were two of these trips. Apparently the first one, uh, they paid, I guess, or maybe they didn't, I don't know, Supercar Blondie to show up and hand out an award. Right, they like gave a, her an award. award. Yeah, they, they gave me yeah. in, in the automotive. And this is this is look. This here's the other thing that that I think has gotten lost, and that is that uh, you know there is a huge difference out there between journalists and influencers. Right? Yes. Right. And 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 there's a lot of influencers who now somehow either forget, fail, or just uh, misplace the idea that they're getting paid to promote stuff. Basically, they're, they're advertising. It's advertising, right? Yeah. That's where influencing is. It's advertising. And we right? know several, so we know yeah. how, how it works on the inside. Yeah, car company. And, and as, you know, as a traditional journalist who came out of, I went to Medill, right, Northwestern School of Journalism, it was beat into my head, right? That, Metro State here. Yeah, that, that, that you do not accept money for your reviews. No, right? Not for your reviews, but we, we accept it for everything else. So once again, Patreons, don't forget. But, 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 but he's not, absolutely, you're not, absolutely yeah, right. we don't, yeah, you can't pay us to, like, uh, you know, give you a good review of a car or put the car, uh, you know, above another car because you paid it. That, that's basically, in, my, in, my, in the old world, that was payola, right? As a journalist, that was the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it, it, it really and, is. And, and now that's what influencers do. And sometimes I think you guys, uh, or not, maybe not you guys because I think you're smarter than that, but people get, get taken in and they, and they forget that there is a difference between people who actually do this and have a series of editorial rules and regulations that they live by like TFL and influencers who will basically just, you know, and, and I don't blame influencers. I'm not trying to blame no, them. No, for, hey, right? they got to pay the rent. Exactly. If I was an influencer and I found that by creating videos like that are hateful, right? Because hate gets more views than love, right? It Here, top five things I hate about this car. All of a sudden, they start getting a lot more views, and then somebody pays them not to be hateful, right? Yeah. That's just like they feel like they've earned that because they've built up that audience. Mm -hmm. But it's not, 
you know, something you should be st- making your buying decisions on. Yeah, it's not as black and white as that. And, and, and the bottom line is that there are a lot of people out there who really do, even influencers, who really want to tell you the real story, but not, they might not be able to because of perhaps who's putting the butter on their bread. Yeah. That's so you should know where your, I think we'll sum it up there. Know where, where a publication's bread is buttered. And if they don't tell you, then it's probably buttered on the advertising side. That's probably a, just a good yeah. rule of thumb. All of the advertising we do, we tell you in advance, and it has nothing to do with the actual vehicle itself that we're testing. All right. Okay. Let's, let's go. Continue. Number 19, yeah. Number 19, this bad, is a problem bad that we've had yeah, recently. Oh, God, yeah. I know. But it's not just bad headlights. It's So recently, we live in snow country, and by the time you guys are seeing this, it is going to be sub-freezing here. LED lights, okay, which are awesome on in most conditions, they don't work well in snow. And do you know why? Because they're not, they don't get hot enough. They, they don't, don't get hot enough. But, I know that sounds strange, but, but it's I, true. I, I would take even a bigger step back. So we have a Ram that we bought for $60,000, and then that's the $2,500. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing we do. We buy things so that we actually, it's our money, our skin's in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And we just bought Stubby, which is, you know, the cheapest 4x4 work truck that you can get. And if you want to see that, all TFL.com. Anyway, uh, that one also has, like, headlights that are, like, two candles. How do you have, you know, to me, these are safety issues. Yeah. You know, manufacturers, you, you can't be putting headlights in these cars. Or you can be. Too, yeah, you shouldn't that. be putting, I mean, you can do what you want. But but come on, you know, just 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 get us. If, if, I understand, like, at least in the Asian world, right, they have this kind of arms race to put as much safety, right? So Toyota Safety Sense 2.0, there's all this stuff that they Nissan now. Nissan is pretty good, too. Nissan does it. All the Asians do. But um, I get that. Like, the American manufacturers still make you pay for all that stuff, right? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. But the headlights should just be uh, – just give us the best headlights, please. Well, well, this is what's happening with the IIHS and um, NHTSA is that they're now upping the ante on these crash tests to include headlights, headlights. and performance. Thank God, yeah. But the problem is, is that automakers that offer the nicer headlights, LEDs in this case, they're like, oh, well, you didn't look at the crash scores for the ones that are nicer. So in other words, pay and survive or something along those lines. However, there's a problem. Even with the LEDs, and this covers all the new vehicles because almost everybody's using LEDs on the higher end vehicles or in some cases entry level. LEDs do not do particularly well when snow gathers on top of the headlights, and that's because there's no real heat that's resonating to melt that off so you can get any light. You know, We've you, actually, you, you know what you just did? Huh? You just did something awful. You gave like the manufacturers another way to monthly uh, charge for LED heaters. <laughs> <laughs> We've installed LED heaters, but if you want Damn them it. turned on, four ninety nine a month. <laughs> if you want to survive this winter, you better give us our dough. Look, here's the thing, Nathan. Like, I wanted to swap out the crappy headlights that came in stubby, right? Mm-hmm. And I went online, of course, on YouTube, and I looked at the videos. It's a big deal. Like, it's the like the whole thing's got to come out. The it's... whole front end, basically. You have to take out the <laughs> wheel well liners. You got to take out the front grill. It's 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 not like once upon a time you would just reach in, you know. Spin open like a little cap, open it up, swap out the crappy bulbs for better bulbs, right? Uh, and then just pop it back in. This is like a five-minute job per light. It's like five hours on the it's RAM. It's ridiculous. You got, you got to, and, and even if you wanted to like take the whole headlight unit and upgrade it to a much more modern one, which you can do. Yeah. Um, same problem. You got well, the whole housing. Everything's got to come out. Everything uh, yeah. that surrounds it. Everything else. Exactly. So. I've had to do that with other vehicles in the past, including that Mitsubishi. So that's like yeah. adding insult. So we're gonna put crappy bulbs, right, mm-hmm. that, that are like two candles in the wind. Sorry, Elton John. Uh, and then if you want to change them out, we're going to make it extremely hard to do so because it's easier for the manufacturing process. And once you've done it, guess what? In snowy conditions, you may suffer. 
Speaking so, of snowy conditions, how about number 18? Okay, number 18. Ah. That's another snowy condition one. Boy, oh boy. Pop-out door handles. Yep. Now, when I mean pop-out door handles, I'm not talking about they're already out there. I'm talking about the ones that will actuate as you're walking up to the car or when you tell the car I want to open the door. Basically, something that is more complex than it needs to be in order to open a damn door. Now, look at the look at the car behind us if you're watching this on YouTube, right? That's a Nissan. It's got regular door handles. You can't tell me that those things on that car are that much more aerodynamically Add that much drag, right? And yeah, usually, compared look, to, to a flat surface. To a flat one. And let's face it, Tesla started, I, I mean, I'm sure there were pop-up door handles before Tesla, but Tesla started that trend. And then all the designers went like, wow, that's cool. Let's put it in our cars. So now one of the prerequisites of having an electric car is you've got to have pop-up door handles. But it's and, not just electric ones either. Oh, they like this way. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they kind of like. There's a bunch you know. of gas-powered cars too, including yeah. Genesis that is doing it to where you have to have this thing that pops out. And there's an issue, and he was referring to it, and it has to do with snow. Nice. Yeah, if they freeze up, what happens? And I, know there, I saw like videos of them testing it in frozen ice. And, and there's two kinds of pop up, right? There's the kind that kind of cantilever out, and yeah. then there's the kind that pop out. The whole completely. thing comes out, right? Yeah, but but you know, I'm gonna be the old grumpy man. I'm gonna say wait five to ten years and see how well those work. And, and it's an important thing because you probably want to get into your car without having to crawl from the back or from the side. I'm going to mention something that happened. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am an intense coffee drinker. I you am are, addicted yes. and I'm proud of it. Okay. <laughs> um, and I walked up to a fairly popular vehicle two years ago, three years ago, <coughs> Tesla, and <laughs> it was freezing cold and it was ice, like a real thick layer of ice. You remember the super icy day? And I couldn't get the door handle to pop out. I couldn't get into the car. And I actually poured half of my cup of coffee on that one section of the car in order to allow that door handle to actuate. And it still didn't do it very well, but I was able to get into the car. You shouldn't have to sacrifice half a cup of coffee to get into a car. Now, that happened to me. Don't say it doesn't happen, because it did. It happened to me. So I think that those things are completely unnecessary. Yeah, the picture of this Nissan behind me, Absolutely fine. Regular door handles, they work, and they've been working for 100 years plus. So I'll do another little personal grievance. So sure. Because I like, you know, um, coffee. No, I'm joking. I don't like coffee. I like tea. But I wanted to get, you know, a decent coffee maker for the office. Uh -huh. And uh, I thought it would be fun to have, you know, not just like a Keurig, but something that, that actually you can make real coffee with, right? Yeah, right. So, so I went to Crate and Barrel before I bought this Keurig that we now have. And uh, there was this lovely woman, and she had, a, I think it's called a Breville, uh, a cappuccino maker, right? Oh, okay. And she, yep. she said, would you like some coffee? And I'm like, sure. And I don't drink coffee, but I'm like, and she, she showed me how this thing works. It was incredible. So on top, you pour in the beans, yeah. it grinds them up, right? And then you put it in, and then it does like the little Italian thing where the spigots come Two out. Two little things come yeah, out. Yeah. And then like there's a little coffee warmer on the side. I uh, know, milk warmer, right? Yeah, so you yeah, get the frothy milk. Yeah. So she does all this. That's heaven. She, she pours it to me and I'm like, oh, this is, I'm not a coffee drinker, this is delicious. Yeah. And I'm going, I'll take one of them. And I didn't even bother asking how much it was. Guess how much this thing was? 1500 Yes, yes. Yeah. I know that because, yeah. <laughs> and I walked um, out with the curry. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you want to know what the kitchen appliances are at Nathan's house, just know this, that I have a very expensive coffee maker, so I do understand. So I, I guess it's worth it for coffee drinkers, but right, for me, yeah. it, it took, oh, wow, I thought it was going to be like, I thought, well, maybe 500 bucks. Yeah, for the, uh, just, just, just to kind of put an, uh, this, this is my average coffee a day. And Roman so knows so sorry you're stuck with the, the Keurig. Yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you nonetheless. I do appreciate that, and so does the staff. All right, let's get back to the car stuff. So 17. this one is has to do with the picture that's behind me. 
And this is kind of a mix of things, and it's called Nightmare Paint Issues. Yeah, we call it the Midnight Edition, basically. Exactly. That's why Nightmare. Uh, midnight, Black Edition, uh, it's so overdone. Fire Optica, whatever you want to call them. All of these overdone things. Now, we get it. What you're doing is you're kind of giving a lot of people who have a mid-level, entry-level type desire, but a little step above because you give them painted wheels or a darked out whatever. And A... Not great when you paint wheels. I think we all agree that if you live in an urban environment or you know somebody like my daughter who hits every curb on the planet, painted wheels are bad. Second, midnight editions, dark editions, black editions, all of these nightmare editions, all of those vehicles, I think personally, kind of, it's been overdone. Everybody's doing it. And perhaps maybe take a step back and consider a different type of package. That's that's my point. Yeah, maybe there's you know maybe there's like the Red Mars edition. I I don't know. There's got to be something besides Midnight Edition where you just basically take every bit of trim and black it out, and you know take the lights and black them out. And I I, I get it looks good, but it's you know when anything just, is everybody's overdone. Doing it everything now. Yeah. And, and really really inexpensive cars. So then you have like a BMW with a special edition. It's just gonna, it's it gonna just look really lame like, like five years from now. They should do an Andre edition. Which Essentially, be, what, the headlights that? look like they're popping out, like his eyeballs <laughs> do sometimes. Oh, you, are you, you actually? That's a good. You know what they should do? They yeah. should do pop-up headlights. I love pop-up. I headlights. love pop-up, pop-up headlights. headlights. I miss them so I know, much. I know. They got rid of them because, like, all these people on the autobahn were complaining. Oh, you know, at 150 <laughs> miles. The aerodynamics don't work anymore. And who's driving 150? Come on, the coolness factor of it is so much better than. It, 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 I, I desperately miss having a car. I love that. I love that C5, the Corvette C5, because of the pop-up. Yeah, the, the way they they work. In, uh, well, the C4, they come up. The, the C4 is better. Uh, the C5, though, is just a nice zoop. Zoop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, I, I know it's. I know you can end up. But you know, so the the and the, and the Porsche we have, the 944 Turbo, does the same thing. By the way, we're selling that. So if anybody wants a 944 Turbo, uh, email us before we put it on bids. If you want to get it ahead of time. And I just bought a new car. Damn it. <laughs> I, no, seriously, 944 is one of my favorites. I'm yeah. Happy. So uh, we're probably going to be asking about 19k for it, which is what we paid for it. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's uh, low miles. Everything works on it. Uh, and email us at uh, ask a TFL truck. We'll, we'll get that email. And if you want, an, if you want a nice Canadian 944, it's in kilometers. I want to say it's got. 129,000 kilometers, something like that. I gotta look. I don't know. It's which it, but, is only 30 miles. <laughs> only 30 miles. Yeah. According to the Canadians, um, <laughs> maybe it's 160,000. I don't know. Anyway, it's all it all works. It all it's all great. And the point I brought up about that is, I know that they can break, but like in the Porsche, I'm sure in the Corvette, there's manual ways you can like like crank them up. So right. you're never like without lights. By the way, guys, if you want to look up something cool for those of you who are on the younger side or perhaps don't know what Opel is, the Opel GT had the most unique, bizarre flip. Headlights ever. Look it up on Google. Opal GT. I remember that, yeah. Remember how they went inside? Yeah. All right. uh, Let's move on to number 16. OEM OEM tires. tires. Lord have mercy. I'm uh, dealing with this right now, Roman. Some, some, okay, like the Bronco we have, Mm -hmm. those are great. Yeah, yeah, sure. And some some Jeeps are... Some good. Jeep does good tires as mm-hmm. well. I think they do uh, KO2s On now. their higher end, they do, but yeah. not on their lower but end. But like, like Stubby, not so good. <laughs> These tires, first of all, uh, they're uh, always uh, all seasons, which is the worst compromise of all. You know, they, they kind of sort of work in dry summer conditions, but when it gets wet bad. and when it gets cold and when it gets snowy especially, they just go right, right out the window. 
Yeah. And they don't last, too. That's the other thing. A lot of the OEM stuff lasts like maybe 10, 15K, and then you got to replace it. So one of the things that, that the OEM tires kind of represent is the fact that, and they don't kind of, they actually represent is the fact that these automakers often buy these tires, and this is especially true for the entry-level ones, which is what I'm familiar with, uh, at a discount because they're buying in bulk. So and, which one are you talking about? What was your example? Uh, I have uh, Kumos on my yeah, and they're just not great. Which t- which car? On, on my uh, Santa Cruz. Oh, the Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tommy, uh, we have the long term Santa Cruz. Yeah, the same one. Yeah, same Tom, Tommy just took them up uh, over level and pass, and he said they're not good. They're not, and that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, he said it, the all wheel dry system's good. It's a fantastic. And you can get a locker, you mm-hmm. can, and it works. Well, it's not a locker per se, but it but it's, it yeah. will split. The, yeah. the, so he speed. said that worked well, but the tires. Are no the good. tires are just absolutely yeah. not. And you know, when you pay a little bit of a premium, like the one that we have at TFL Studios. At least they should be better tires, and they're not. Frankly, they just need to have higher end tires available for customers who are buying these less expensive cars. And, and you know, me and Andre just did a, a buyer's guide for the new Colorado, mm-hmm. and you can actually upgrade the tires. And not for a lot, actually, because I think they're buying in bulk. So let's face it, exactly it, if you want to get, like, we just put on the, our mud terrains on the Hummer EV. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, God. Yeah, those are really nice. 37s? 37s, yeah. Uh, I think those are between four and 500, maybe even more a tire. So uh, thank you, BFG, for sending us those. I want to thank them. Yes. But obviously, those are premium tires. But, you know, there should be an option, I think, for you to be able to, like, you know, from I the OEM, be able to set those on the configurator. Exactly, like, exactly. and that's exactly. the second part of this. And I, I, had I had the option yeah. of going you to... You would have gone better. I would have gone, gone to better, a better yeah. tire. Because yeah. you have to do it anyway, so... and that, Which I will be doing in the near future. I can't stand it. So, so hey, here's an idea, manufacturers. Do that instead of charging us monthly subscriptions <laughs> to the headlight warmer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, something tells me that the bean counters are going to find it a little bit more difficult because, than that to make because, it happen. Look, dude, when you think about that, right, you could actually, like that headlight warmer, I, 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 I was joking, but I could see like... Like some bean counter actually what we'll do is we'll give them the crappier version or we'll create a problem and then we'll charge them more money to solve the problem you could i'm sorry i could see companies doing that all day long yeah yeah, yeah. and then they get investigated and then some people who are in near fatal car accidents make a lot of money so keep that in mind automakers don't mess around we know them a lot <laughs> okay all right uh, number 15 what's that number 15 is augmented engine note and yep. this is something that many of you agree with us but not all of you about and that is that it's terrible on many cars, but not on all. Sometimes you actually need a little bit of augmented engine note to kind of make it feel like you have lead in the pencil, so to speak. Uh, but in other cases, it just sucks. And they've been doing it multiple ways with uh, resonating tube, with like Audi. Audi does like uh, um, resonators in the windshield. But it's not until you get in a car like that old Corvette we have, the C5, with the catback exhaust, Mm -hmm. that you realize just how much more real and better. And like you can actually feel a real exhaust, right? Yeah. Like go, like the car feels alive, right? Because you can in that Corvette you can feel the engine that. Big V8, right? And you can feel the the pulses going down the exhaust right, and right. coming out the back. It just it just makes you feel like you're in this you're living tied creature. Into the car yeah, and yeah. As you accelerate. Now, here's a car that did it really well, and I didn't realize it at first. And that was the Ford Focus ST. Remember that hot little hatch? Yeah. The Ford Focus ST was a great car, and it had augmented sound, which kind of sucked when I realized it because it was great. It really dialed me into the car because I wasn't looking at the tack when I was just flying through the hills and accelerating, but 
other guys would be like, no, dude, that's no good. And then higher end vehicles, or like Mustangs, Camaros, whatnot, or modern hybrids that have performance components to them, or pickup trucks. A lot of them have augmented sounds. But would, now. You, would you agree that anytime you take something that's real and you make it fake, be it engine noise, be it wood grain in the vehicle, hair, <laughs> yes, hair. That's always a bad road to go down. No, I would agree. Yeah. It's 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 difficult because I get it on both sides. I can see why the customer's like, well, I want to hear something. And, you know, essentially the engine that you have in here is a Cuisinart if we don't have a noise to it, which in many cases is true. But then the <laughs> other side is, all right, just deal with the Cuisinart. It's like hubcaps, right? Remember when hubcaps were, like, super popular, right? Basically yeah. you were making fake alloys, right, rims. Why not just get the real thing? Actually, there there was certain aerodynamic, and, and you know you were, you were saving the lug nuts sometimes. There there were certain other, other reasons. Yeah, and, they and, and you but... populated America's roads with like cheap uh, O'Reilly because <laughs> oh, they would you know you hit a bump. Boys. Yeah, you yeah, hit a bump and they fall I, off. And they're... I I had an imp- so at my um, it was a junior prom that I went to. Yeah, yeah I I was pulling up in my. 1978 Oldsmobile Omega, and I was making a turn, and I could see in my mirror my hubcap went off, and it just kept going and going and went right towards everybody who was standing in line to get into prom. That is a true story. All right, number 14. What's number, number 14? Number 14 is auto start right, stop. Right, I'm going to argue with this one. I don't mind it. Yes, you do. No, I don't no, care. Do. I don't mind it. You no, do. I don't mind it. I know a lot it of people hate it. depends on the vehicle. A lot of people hate it because because it's like uh, sometimes it shudders if it's done poorly. Uh, sometimes you forget that the car is running, right? Well, uh, but a lot of people hate it with an absolute passion. I don't mind it. Maybe it's just me, but I don't mind certain it. Certain cars pause at, yeah. like when when the engine refires on a light, let's say, and there's an extra like half a second pause before you get going, as opposed to other cars where the start stop is just like instantaneous boom, you're gone. So I think it depends on the car. Also. Some of them are defeatable, and some of them are not really defeatable. That's another problem that I think some people would agree with could be an issue. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you can turn it off, I love choice. So, so I think, but the, I'll have to defend the automakers here. Uh, I mean, that does substantially increase their EPA uh, ratings. Uh, so you can gain as much as one MPG by adding that to a car, yeah, which is huge, uh, which means that they then have like the ability to not have to buy credits, and then they could, you know, build more V8s. So if I look at it that way, I'll take it if that means that, you know, the Chevy can have a Corvette, the Corvette can have a ruddy big V8, or there can be more trucks on the road. It's a small price to pay for me. For you it is, but there are other people out there, and they have a valid, you know, issue about the fact that there's stuttering, there's stalling, there's, in some cases, the, the pause, which is what I really dislike. And also, when you shut it off, like, as you're driving... When the car shuts off and then you turn it back on, uh, you know, after going to the supermarket, in your case, you know, for toothpaste, you were talking about that earlier, then the car does it again and you have to deactivate it again. And every single time you shut the car off, it's a pain. So uh, there's two sides to it. And I I would agree to that part. But let's get into the next one. Yeah, shifting into park. that that's a bad one. So it happened to me again with Stubby, right? Mm-hmm. If, let's say that you've got the door partially open or your seatbelt off, 
and you want to like back up uh, and you put it into drive and you start backing up and you look down to make sure you're not going to curve the wheel, it'll just put it into park automatically. Well, it's a big problem because you put it into drive when you were backing up. Yeah, you can't do that. I mean, no, no, reverse, sorry. So if you put it in, if you put it in reverse and then you open the door right. uh, to see where you're going, it'll put it, it'll slam it back that's into park. That's a real issue off-road or if you're trailering or something yeah. like that. That's when that can become an issue. <laughs> it, and it's a safety issue mm-hmm. and that is to prevent... The thing that happened to that Star Trek dude, right? Yeah, yeah, the guy who played Chekhov. Yeah, um, he, he got he got smushed by a jeep because the, the the truck ran him over. Right. No, the jeep ran him over. The, the jeep did, yeah. and um, that also had to do with the transmission as well, by the way. But regardless of of that whole thing, uh, there's other car companies that will do it if you open the door, or if you use the seatbelt, or as a combination of the two. And I just I want to be given that choice. I know it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but there are times when I'm off-roading, and I do it often, uh, we do it often, yeah. or we're trying to hook up a trailer, or we're trying to get some cargo or whatever, and you need to open that door up just for a little bit to see the very ground that you're on top of, just for a moment as you're moving back or moving forward. Or some cars won't even let you go into reverse or drive until you've hooked your seatbelt. Now, look, I drive with my seatbelt on all the time, Roman, but there have been times where I've had to hop in my car, Pull it out of the yeah, garage, like, hop yeah, out, yeah. and then close the garage. Like, like, I mean, do you need to put a seatbelt on if you're just, just pulling pull out out your car garage? Yeah, I mean, come, on, oh, come, come on. on. So it's a little ridiculous. I agree. So let's get to the next one. Uh, um, and, and this is this is one that's especially uh, galling. It's the e-parking brake. Once upon a time, once uh, again, for all you youngsters, there was like a big lever you would pull up, and that would engage the brake. Or there was a pedal that you'd push, and that would engage the brake. And then you'd pull this little thing that would disengage it or push down on the lever. Now, of course, I don't mind the fact that the e-brake comes on automatically. I hate it when it doesn't go off automatically because you didn't turn it on, so you forget that it's on. Yes. And then you like you like the car won't go, and it's beeping at you, and you don't know why it's beeping at you, and it's like oh. There's this little switch, this little tiny little switch, rocker switch. switch that I have to actuate, or it's hidden somewhere, so I don't know where it's at, to actually disengage the parking brake. So I hate e-brakes. You can't do, like, J-turns. You can't do all this cool stuff we used to be able to do with regular uh, parking brakes. I know, once again, they're, you know, they're idiot-proof, but... Well, that's kind of, the, and that's the point. And yeah. that, if you think about it in terms of, you know, automakers trying to cover their butts, it mm-hmm. makes a little bit of sense. But they're just, they're just... For car enthusiasts, you don't have that ability to Agreed. just. There was so um, you did that as a kid, right? Of course I did. You find a snowy parking lot. Are you lot, talking to me? Or you know, or a sandy lot, and then you would like you know, you know, flip it into a turn, throw on the back brake, the back would spin we around. We used to do a thing where we would try to set up uh, cars and, and and slide in between them before it became a popular thing on YouTube, and this is back in like high school and whatnot, and guys just being able to kind of rally their car around and. Oh, the minute I learned how to flip the rear end out by locking up, even though it was horrible for the car, I did it all the time on every car I owned. But that's that's the hoon thing. So, so I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna let you guess. So number eleven is electronic nannies, Nathan, and mm-hmm. uh, that Santa Cruz has one of them that drives me absolutely crazy. Can you guess what it is? It, it happens to me every time. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm. It worried. yells at you about something in the back seat. No, it does that. No, it does something worse than that. I'll be driving along, and all of a sudden, oh, the beeping, the coffee. Have you considered taking a coffee break? Yeah, because you don't drink coffee, Roman. <laughs> no, because That's it does it. It does it when I'm completely paying it. Like what'll happen is I'll be driving along, right, and there'll be like a piece of like I don't know debris or something in the road. So I'll swerve 
to, to like get around it. And next thing I know, this little thing pops up that says, have you considered taking a coffee break? I'm like, no, have you considered that I may be trying to avoid an accident? <laughs> right, it thinks I'm not paying attention. So your car is a 22 and yeah. mine's a 23 and mine doesn't quite do that. Doesn't do that, huh? No, Maybe not they like change the, the... Yeah, I think they changed yeah. the, the algorithm, the way it works, because what it, will, what it does is it quickly looks at you. It yeah. actually has something that looks at you. Yeah. And it sees whether or not you're doing something yeah. or screwing off. Yeah, I'm looking at that big two by four that almost Mine, <laughs> smashed into the front of my car. When I go out of my lane, yeah. uh, it'll beep at me no matter what. Okay. No matter what. And if I have my signal on, that's the only time it won't do that. So if I quickly swerve, it's like, beep, 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 oh my God, you're going to die. And that's the part that really gets me, which I agree with. But um, it, it it's rarely told me that it thinks I should wake up. And it never tells me that I need the, to drink The other coffee. one that, that was horrible was on the Tesla, that emergency autonomous braking. Oh, that thing where, could be dangerous. Yeah, where, where you like run under a bridge and there's a shadow and it thinks the shadow is a car and it just slams on the autonomous brake for no reason. And the car behind you almost slams into you. That happened to me in a Honda, but a little bit different. I was doing a U-turn in a Honda Pilot a couple of years ago. And as I was doing the U-turn, it saw the other traffic, even though it was stopped, and I was doing it legally, and it hit the brakes right when the light's changing, and it stopped the car dead in the middle of the street. And it, it went again, but it still was a uh, or, scary... Or how about another one? Uh, any of the kind of level two autonomy where, you know, it basically yells at you every time it thinks you're not paying attention? Well, that's right. what you were saying, yeah. Right, no, this is the... If you consider taking a break, you're actually driving it. Now... The car's driving itself, but you've oh. either got your hands you've got your hand on the wheel as you should and you like scoot over to maybe change the radio station or you know, get a tissue to blow your nose or something, and the car all of a sudden does a nanny thing. Keep your eyes on the road and then disengages. Well that's that's Blue Cruise. Yeah, Blue that, Cruise yeah, or Super Cruise. Super Cruise or, isn't as, as bad. Actually, Super Blue Cruise makes you drive the way it wants you to drive. Super Cruise gives you we, a little we, bit more latitude. We had a worse thing happen in the Hummer EV when Andre and I were driving back from Moab. Yeah. We were on that, uh, what is it? What's the road there? Is it It's. It's. Eight, is it eight? No, what road is that that you get on when you go off of uh, Moab when you're coming up? You mean? Before you, mean, you get to I 70. Is that oh, you mean the one that you're heading north on? To, to no, 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 the one, the highway. Is that 70? That's 70. So yeah. you're on 70. So be, on 70, in uh, like by Cisco mm -hmm. in Moab, there's no traffic. Yeah, there's no traffic. So we said Super Cruise on, and it would just randomly disengage, just, just you know, just really? off. Yeah, just turn it off, just yeah. for no reason. Yeah, I don't know why it just would disengage. And we were, we were, it happened like four or five times. No cars in front, no cars behind, doing the speed limit, just disengage. I got to be honest with you, I'm not exactly over come with joy with that particular vehicle. Yeah, I know I think, you hate it. <laughs> and I think that that's part of the problem is that it's just got a lot of little quirks and it might be one well, of it's, it's Some of the stuff is half-baked. They, 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 they developed it in record time. Yeah. And it shows in some ways. Let's, Any, I mean, before we get to number, number uh, 10, 10, right, let me give you another one, personal one. This has nothing to do with cars, but this is one I don't get. So I don't know, Nathan. I got on Twitter right when it started back in like 2005, seven, something like that. It was mm -hmm. way early. And back then, Twitter was obviously great because uh, I had a, like I would cover endurance sports, right? So I was doing triathlon. And one of the things I would cover was the Tour de France. And I had a friend who would actually go and cover the Tour de France from France, right? And mm -hmm. it was a very hard assignment because you would have to interview the cyclists before they left, and you'd have to find a way to drive around to where they finished, right? So you'd have to go around the course. You couldn't go in the course. Yeah, I got you. And then get there in time to interview them when they got there and get your quotes, right? With Twitter, it allowed me to actually get the quotes right from Twitter, right? Yeah, boom, you get the quotes. Because like Lance Armstrong would be like, you know, I had a great day today, you know, kicked ass, right? Yeah, juiced up three times. 
<laughs> he wouldn't say that, but oh, yeah. Sorry. But it was great because you, you didn't have to interview people and you knew because it, it was them talking. It was yeah. just, it was like a quote, right? Right. And so I actually was able to cover the race in a much easier and effective way watching it on at that time versus and using Twitter as my quote source than he was actually being at the race. Mm, I'm not saying it was more fun. I'm sure he had better meals and better wine, but nevertheless, it was certainly easier. And then Twitter devolved into this like, uh, you know, cesspool of trolls and all kinds of like nastiness on the internet, right? Oh yeah, I got hit recently with a whole bunch of just really negative stuff, not just from Twitter though, but from, uh, it's like, a new wave of bots has hit, and they're just going after and, you. And so this week, of course, you know, another car guy, Mr. Musk, decided to kick off a bunch of journalists, and there was this big stink and uproar about, you know, that not being fair. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you all – he did you a favor. If you don't like the platform, right, mm. why don't you go to Mastodon? Why don't you just get the heck off of the platform well, and go – that's what I did. Like back in 2009, I was like, I'm done with this. Right? There's way too much hate, way too many bots, way too much. So why don't you just switch? I think he did you a favor. <coughs> if, if you don't, you know, if, if Musk is saying, I don't want you here, take the hint. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like he's going to be removing himself anyway. He put out a, a Right, I saw that, and, yeah. And, but nobody knows when or how. Nah, it's, but it's not but you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. why, are, why is everybody like, oh, my God, did they they, it's a private company. They can do what they want. And if I were one of those journalists that got removed, I'd be like, hey, you did me a favor. Nah, you know? I, wouldn't, I, I, I totally disagree why with Why do you disagree with that? Because in, in my mind, mm -hmm. if I have an audience that I've actually worked to cultivate right, okay. and I've been booted off something, then I don't care what other platform I have. The fact is I got booted off this one. And their point is they got booted off by merely, you know, putting out an opinion that he didn't like. Now, whether or not that's cool with you guys, <clears throat> that's one thing. I would be upset. My point is if I was kicked off, and especially if I didn't know why, but if I was kicked off, I would be a little upset. I mean, just my own private one, I've got, I don't know, like four or five thousand like, people. It's kind of like that credit card, right? You build up points, right? And then you get kicked off. The, the company kicks you off. And then you, you lose. Upset? Then you lose all those points. I, I, I'm always, of, you know, I'm always of the opposite. I, I always believe in free markets, and I'm like, I completely get that. You know, there's choice in this world, and if enough people choose to leave the platform, that'll send a much stronger message than whining and bitching and moaning about it on Twitter. Mm, I disagree. I think that people work really hard to build up a little community there, just like they do on TFL when they come over to our websites and all of our stuff. And by suddenly being removed uh, from something, yeah, I think it really upsets But well, we wouldn't kick people off. We've kicked people off before. People have been naughty. We have, well, we, uh, true that. So in the comments section, right, we have a couple, couple rules, right? We do cars and trucks, not politics. So we think that there is much other and smarter and better places to, to astound, to espound, espound? What's the word? No, it's not. It's to, to, to expunge. Not expunge, no, no, to to put out your political beliefs, right? <laughs> leave it, leave it, leave that for wherever all that stuff is. Yeah, if we're no want, experts on politics, obviously. Yeah, so we do cars and trucks. So if you want to bring your political views into our house, we will kick you out. And if you have mean-spirited comments, right, if you turn into, like, the stuff I hated on Twitter, then we will also kick you out. Yeah, and anything that has to do with so maybe you're right. Maybe maybe thing. you know maybe but that's that's kind of my yeah, point. Yeah, maybe you know, you know, maybe just, then, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, so, I, I okay. Right, let's keep going. Let's so keep on going. So right, number uh, ten, I call this the fake off road yay, and that has to do with the fact that for years automakers have been slapping on components to vehicles, maybe giving them a mild lift or slightly more aggressive looking tires or wheels, yeah. and then saying that's an off roader, my friends. 
and often it's really not, and it's bad. And I'm not talking about trucks here. The trucks is for Andre. This is cars, and this has been done all the way back to the Subaru Outback, and then what was the um, the, the, wilderness, Volvo, the, wil the wilderness is basically Volvo, a bunch the, of cladding. Well, yeah, no, but it, it has a suspension lift and much better tires, and I'll give them credit for that, and armor. But a lot of other automakers out there are slapping on just some extra plastic to the side, maybe doing a couple things and saying, mm. this thing is off-road ready, or, or making it seem like I, it is. I, I, don't, I don't know if Subaru has extra uh, armor they on, on there. On the, on the uh, we, wilderness? And I don't know if it's any better off-road, because once again, I'm going to... Well, Tommy did a video. Not on the wilderness. We've never done a wilderness. Yeah, we, yeah he did. did. we did? Yeah. Anyway, they don't give us cars, so I, I don't know. We've never they don't give us it. cars, and that's a whole other PR debacle. But, but the, the one i got to give credit to is Honda with the new Pilot Trail Sport. They actually gave it real uh, off-roady tires. They gave it uh, skid plate and recovery hooks. And Honda also made the cardinal sin of not doing that with the Passport I know. that I drove. And, and the Ridgeline, yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and the Passport has but these I think they've learned tires. But well, let me get to this yeah. point, though. The Passport and, and, and the Ridgeline... Uh, they have these Firestone tires that on the outside, especially on the sidewall, look really off-roady, but they're really not. They're just all-season tires, basically. And that's kind of the issue that other automakers have made, which is they've created this, this issue. I want a car that looks like it can take me off-road. I may not go off-road, but I want I, I get a car that, that looks like it can. And then every once in a while, some of those people become, you know, adventurous, or they feel like they want to go out and do something, and all of a sudden they slice open their oil pan on a small rock, or their tires aren't up to it, and they just totally Look, have a problem. Here's my problem, and uh, it goes to, with, goes to the fact that automakers, and, and I'm going to say Subaru because I do watch their commercials, is especially... Uh, egregious with this, right? If you're going to advertise a car as taking on Moab, right? Yeah. Right, right. This is right. You see people road less travel, and, and not just dirt roads, but you're actually showing it doing, you know, some relatively um, semi-serious off-roading. Right. Then the car should be able to do it. And that, I agree. That, 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 that always that goes back 12 years when we tested the first one or 10 years, and they weren't happy with us showing that it doesn't go off-road. Because look, it's one thing to show the car, you know, in a happy family with. You know, the rooftop 10 zipping around Moab. It's another thing to actually give it a 9-inch ground clearance, and then you're out there in Moab, like, doing, let's say, Hurrah Pass, and you hit your first 12-inch step, right? And the front of the car is 9 inches off the road, right? Mm -hmm. And the step is 12 inches. What then? You, you either tear off the front <laughs> or you turn around and go back home. Now, a lot of Subaru people, because we are on that kick um, right now, would say, well, these cars are really capable, and you're absolutely right. And we are airing right. Subaru grievances, by the way. Yeah. It seems appropriate. Yeah, but the, but the point is is that you're right. And they actually, I find them to have excellent all-wheel drive systems, very good in the snow. But the reality is is that until they move up to certain levels that are, you know, high, having vehicles that are beefier, more capable off-road, showing them in certain adverts where they're bashing around off-road, may be a little misleading to some of the people who actually go and buy these vehicles and then go and try them. And by the way, you want proof of that? There are an awful lot of people out there who are actually adding additional lifts to them and larger tires and wheels in order for them to actually do the off-road things that Subaru is sort of promising. So keep that in mind. Hey, one of these days, who knows, maybe we'll drive another new one, but I sincerely doubt it, which is ironic because we live in the Rocky Mountains. Let's move on you, to you, number nine. You know, you know, the other thing I would add to that mm. is... Um, once again, it goes back to like real versus fake. And here's here's the here's the engineering challenge: you want a car that can go off road, so you need a very like strong or 
tall approach angle. The problem mm. is when you design a car that does that with, you know, let's say high ground clearance, it makes it bad on the highway because aerodynamically, it, aerodynamically because it makes it thirstier, right? So mm. you've got these two things that don't go together. You want right. good fuel economy on the sticker and you're at the same time. So you have to make compromises. And, and, I, and, you know, which is fine. I understand that. I understand that most people 99.9% of the time are cruising down the highway, not, you know, a para pass. But the point is, if you're going to advertise that for any automaker, that includes Jeep, that includes General Motors, that includes Toyota, any of them. If you're going to show a vehicle doing something very rugged where it really probably shouldn't be doing that, you may want to question that because you may be selling a bill of goods to somebody that is not necessarily honest. And that's, that's I think, a fair thing to say. we got to zip through these, dude. We're running out of time. Well, yeah, I know. Um, right. So the next one is push-button transmission. That's number nine. Yeah. I hate it. I don't like them. I don't like them on any vehicle I've driven. I, yeah. Some vehicles I really cup, like. Not my cup of tea either. Yeah, especially like, when you're trying to like uh, do uh, a, a maneuver where you have to go between forward and reverse. Forward. Yeah, back and forth and back yeah. and forth and whatnot. Uh, one of my favorite automakers is Acura. I love Acura, but Acura has put push button transmissions on many of their vehicles, and I really dislike it. And I wish they wouldn't do that because it it compounds they go back, me. They go back to like the '40s or something, right? They've been around for a long time. So back in high schools for you. So the thing is, is that <laughs> push button transmissions. Uh, well, I, that was I college had, name. Okay, they had uh, there was a Plymouth that I once drove and I had old school push-button transmission and it went to a, like a, a hydraulic system and everything else and it, it's kind of cool back then people didn't really care just hit d for drive and r for reverse and all that other stuff and plus but not like gm does the one where you not just push but you have to pull on it it's a, i really dislike that yeah, too I I, it's, yeah I, the whole push button thing and it's not going away people are just accepting of it and you know one of the reasons why because you can use it on multi-transmissions, multi And, you, uh, and it's a space, so right. you, could, you could put more stuff in the yeah, center. Yeah, more, more, more room for coffee. I guess that's a good thing. But, give, you know, what's wrong with the old uh, three on the tree, Nathan? Well, what's wrong with just <laughs> How having, about a ten on the tree? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I, my car, it's the shift area, I still have plenty of room for cup holders and plenty of room for compartments. I just don't get it. All right. Number uh, next eight. Next one is uh, tow hooks. Or now, the lack thereof. Now, we're not talking about anything like, I don't know, a Toyota pickup truck. But we are talking about cars and some cars are now deleting the ability to plug in an eye hook for uh, being extracted yeah so there are like hooks that they every car has when they ship them from europe right they screw in and then mm -hmm. they use it to attach to the roll on roll off right. boat right so that the thing doesn't roll around on the open ocean uh and those you can't really use for recovery because it's not a good idea because you'll pull them out and you know damage yourself or the car uh and then Here's the ironic thing. Like, you know, we've got all these classic cars on Tommy's Classic Channel. Right. All the old cars, even like that old 250C Mercedes that he has, uh -huh. they actually have these metal tow recovery hooks that are built into the chassis of the vehicle. Yep. And now we're losing all that. Right. Now, many vehicles, most vehicles do give you the option of being able to pull off a small little tab and shove in an eye hook. Not all. I was, many. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I was going to Bloodland Pass in a snowstorm, and there was this Mexican uh, Nissan Verso that, that ran off the road and was in a snowbank. And so when you say Mexican Nissan Verso, what do you mean by that? Well, it was from Mexico. It had oh, Mexican okay. plates. That's what I wanted you to say. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't Mexican built. It was it was a Mexican car because it had Mexican plates. And that I don't know if that Versa is different than the American Versa with, you know, the one they sell there. Mm, I, I, don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, and there was these two Mexican dudes and, uh, you know, like almost like a commercial, blinding snowstorm. And I felt like, 
like a champ because I had the Raptor, our first gen Raptor, with right. the we'll with, w- with the winch, and so I'm like, I'll help these guys out, no problem, honey. You know, I'm, I was gonna like get some brownie points with my wife because she was with in the, in the truck with me. So I run out there in the snowstorm. You know, winds blowing, wolves are howling. <laughs> because you're gonna twelve thousand feet, yeah. And, and I look at the car, and I'm like. I don't know where to hook a winch. There was literally no place to hook a winch uh, uh, D-ring to this thing. I mean, I, you can't do it from a suspension member. You'll, you'll tear it off. You'll tear it off. Uh, you, and it was like stuck, you know, nose first in the snowbank. And, and we spent probably 15 minutes like digging under the car, you know, looking in the trunk, looking for anything to actually attach a D-ring to. Nothing. So I don't know how they do that. I don't know how tow truck drivers do that. They must have like a thing, maybe like an arm or that goes underneath. I'm sure they have stuff like that. In the old days, even they had stuff so, like that. So but I did help them. Yeah. There was a snowplow that came up and I stopped him because these guys, their English wasn't great. Yeah. So I said, hey, this guy's stuck. Uh, could you ra-? And he radioed for a tow truck. Okay. But yeah, there was nothing I could do. without dam- And I didn't want to risk damaging their and, car. And one of the issues I think is that a lot of automakers need to go out of their way to tell people how to have their car extracted from snow or other conditions so perhaps even if there's a hidden hook, maybe they can find it. That's just an idea. Okay, uh, CVTs, continuously variable transmissions. But we know we hate those, but it's not that. It's not that. It's the fake gear changes that they make. Just yeah, just go with a real automatic. <laughs> like there's paddle shifters with a lot of these cars that are kind of sporty but have CVTs. So what you're talking about is they create steps in the CVT. A Honda does this that makes it seem like it's not a CVT. But like a traditional transmission, right? So when you floor it, instead of having that right, you get the but it's still it's still a CVT. It kind of feels like it's shifting from one gear to another. That's emulating automatic, right? Um, And you know, there's that, and then if you add to it the paddle shifters, the paddle shifters really what they're doing is they're not doing anything with the transmission, so to speak. They're doing it with the engine. The engine maintains a certain higher RPM and sticks to it as you're doing something. Which actually can be advantageous for some people who are going through like a corner and they want higher RPM on the exit. For some reason, they want to hold it all through the corner. Fine, this can do it. But in reality, it's a gimmick. And the whole thing is kind of like if you're doing a continuously variable transmission, the bottom line is it's a discount transmission built for economy. And I totally get it. That's great. But putting fake gears in it, it just feels... Once again, we're at that same point that we were at, you know, a half hour ago when you're trying to make something real into something emulated, right? It, it's never a good idea. Yes. Yeah, so don't emulate engine noise. Don't emulate automatics. Just go with the thing you're trying to emulate. Now, this next one, as much as I hate it, I was actually told by an engineer from Ford years ago yeah. that this is there specifically to keep people safe, even though it's annoying as hell, and that is beeping the warnings, the constant... Uh, unending beeps no matter what you do. For instance, leaving your keys in the ignition, beep, 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 beep. Having the door open with the keys in the ignition, beep, 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 beep. Not doing your seatbelt. Beep, 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 beep. Yep, on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, a lot of us out there, including me, but I'm sure you guys feel, oh, this is ridiculous. I know when my keys, I know when the door is open. Some of I know I'm not some, wearing a seatbelt. So in that old Corvette, I was driving it last night. Uh-huh. Uh, this is how I know this. Uh, in the old Corvette, it also beeps at you when you forget to turn your headlights off. But the technology has solved that because now most most new cars um, have auto. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's really annoying, and a lot of people are like, it just doesn't make any sense. Essentially, 
It's a really good way forget for the, the forget to turn off the uh, e brake. Beep, 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 beep. Oh yeah, the e brake or and now you know is there a child in the seat? Beep, oh beep, god, beep, beep, the child beep, in beep. the seat. Did you leave oh, your precious oh, in the back? Oh god, that GM does that. You know, I think I Hyundai was the first car that did this. They actually put a sensor uh, in the back so that they could tell if there was like an animal or a live human being. Right. And then what it would do is it would like if you let's say you left your baby in the back, the sensor it wouldn't just say hey did you forget your most precious thing in your life in the back. It would actually uh, beep the horn and flash the lights once you left a car if it noticed there was movement in the back, which I think is smart. That is. Yeah. But just... The, st- the stupid idiot warning is just... Yeah, yeah I just can't stand that. Yeah, that's, so, that's a really good one. I, I think many of us would agree that uh, all the constant beeping of all the things that are so simple, it's a little ridiculous. The other one now is when you open the door uh, into traffic and there might be a car coming, that's another one that it'll, it'll beep at you. So the next one on the list, um, and DSG. we're gonna, yeah, the DSG. So that is the dual, basically dual clutch transmissions, yeah, which were developed for racetrack use, right? They were developed because you wanted to have quick shifts, and then even the Germans have gone away from them now, and they were for a long time. Well, DSG. On, on some cars, they still do them on some, don't they? Mm, no, they've I gone think to performance they, cars. They have no, them. they've gone to almost even their performance cars now have uh, regular torque converters. So they've gone mm. back, they have gone back to regular automatics, and the reason for that is. While DSGs are wonderful, wunderbar, on the racetrack, they are horrible in stop-and-go traffic. They are worse off-road. Yes. Uh, and I think they have become a kind of a, a, an inexpensive way to, you know, have, and I'm doing air quotes here, right, a sophisticated transmission. It's not just that. They're actually very lightweight. And on top of that, they have very few moving parts. Well, I, I, I'm, I keep picking on the Santa Cruz, but man, the it, DSG and the Santa Cruz that the, we which have. Which is why the one I bought did, has didn't, regular has automatic, automatic It's not yeah. good, dude. Yeah, it's it's not great. And it actually had a massive recall. Um, but there's other GSGs out there that in traffic roll back a little bit or a little lumpy. And it's just, they're, they're not great transmissions for day-to-day traffic use. And I really wish, and in some cases this is, is happening, as Roman said, the automakers kind of push that one aside and like, yeah, this isn't really great for everyday use. So some of you guys might argue, but I know from personal experience, an awful lot of DSGs that I've driven have had real issues, not just on the street, but driving off-road especially. Right, we can skip number four. We can yeah, cover we already that. Covered That's that. headlights. All right, the top three. Oh, yeah, here yeah. we go. So there the top go. three, drum roll. Uh, oh, steering this one wheel back. that is crooked on a brand new freaking new, new car. car. How does that happen? How do you allow a car? We have a Honda now that has a crooked steering wheel. Our Bronco has a crooked steering wheel. And what I mean by crooked is you're going down a road straight and the steering wheel is either a few degrees to the left or a few degrees to the right. In order for you to maintain the, going straight. Yeah. How, do, how do they get that wrong? I don't understand that. I mean, is it alignment? How do they get the, it, from the factory? How does the factory get to, and how does not somebody notice that? That's that's my question. Things happen and we know that. You know, you get a brand new car and you, you want it to be perfect. And the fact is, is that if you hop into the car and a few days after you bought it, all of a sudden when you're going down the street, you're four degrees off center, to me, my little OCD would be like, oh, this is nuts. I paid so much for this car. It shouldn't be happening. And you're right. But it does happen. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, how. Maybe you guys in the comments, like if you're an automotive engineer or you run a factory or you work in a factory, let us know how a car leaves a factory with a crooked steering wheel. And they have to do a, a, do, a do, lap in the car. They basically yeah. go and they drive I mean, these I mean, cars I mean, around. They I, should. I mean, is it because of like electronic steering, right? 
in some cases maybe, but I, but not all cars but who have wouldn't that. Wouldn't that allow you to like auto, like using the, the 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 actuator, the motor, actually center the steering wheel exactly right? You I don't know. So. I don't all know. Right. And that's a really good question, and it's and, and it is an issue, and I've oh, had it. Oh, number two is horrible. Number, oh, number two. two. Oh God. So oh. number two is, a, is the an issue. I think it's the worst. To it me, might this, be one of the. Oh, it yeah. might. It should be number one, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and that is touch. Tech. tech. Yeah, uh, getting getting rid of buttons and going to haptic everything or non haptic, haptic just or even regular worse. push button that doesn't do anything. And it could it could be in the screen, it could be a fake button, it could be the fact that like like Volkswagen got rid of their rear uh, window actuator switches. All of that is just a horrible trend that I think is making driving uh, very unpleasant. When you instead of just simply having to turn a knob, we know we talk about it a lot, but world men. Uh, for, for volume and you have to slide across the screen after you've picked your nose, that's always good. Or you actually have to touch the screen to make something for, for happen. For me, it'd be having barbecue sauce. Or barbecue sauce, <laughs> dipping sauce in general. Uh, or on the steering wheel, the steering wheel controls themselves may look like buttons, but they're not actually buttons. And some give you feedback, that's haptic, or they don't. So you're just pushing basically a panel that's not really a button that doesn't, you can't really tell if you really hit it or not. These touch controls are done to save the automaker money. In bulk, it is a lot cheaper to have a giant thing that has 50 buttons on it as opposed to installing individual buttons. We get it. But the other side of it is the feeling of actually pushing something, feeling it actuate and click and make something happen is better. And, and this time I'm going to call out uh, Tesla and Rivian because they are both like uh, the worst at getting rid of every switch, every real switch. Mercedes yeah. is, is you know, following quickly behind them in their EQ series of electric vehicles with the hyper screens. Uh, it's all not good, guys. It's, yeah, you're not making it better. It's not better. It's not simpler. It's not more I innovative. It's not more um, uh, futuristic. It's just silly and stupid and I'm going to be a grumpy old man here. Just just stop it. Knock it off. Go, give go. us buttons, damn it. Yeah, give us a real button that actually does what it says it does. Did you know that, like, uh, for a long time, you know, those little uh, icons on the buttons weren't standardized? Do you know that? Yes, actually, I do know that. So, like, like you know, like you would look, and some of them still, you don't, like, the new stuff doesn't, you, you can't tell what it is, right? Yeah, sometimes, like, something that's so obvious it should be for heating air conditioning is it's suddenly you're looking at it like, is that stereo the, the, That EVGT has, I think it's the eye pedal button. That allows you to do one pedal drive. I yeah. think that's what it is, or maybe it's the Mitsubishi I drove. I, one of those two. It looks like the monolith out of uh, the old 2001. <laughs> it's just this monolith with like a thing flying around. I'm like, I have no clue what the heck that is. I think that's the eye pedal. Yeah, I love it when when uh, these automakers bring in new new blood to the tech, and they're like, Oh, I guarantee you, they'll know what it means. And people like I guess are like apes. Like I have no idea how to make this do it. <laughs> but like that Mercedes that Tommy has. Yeah. That that heating control system. You need. A PhD to, to, in like archaeology to be able to fathom what those squiggly lines mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Push the button and get bacon. You know, exactly. Just, yeah, it's just bacon weird. strips. Yeah, bacon strips. And th this this is an oldie but a goodie. Go for number one. Yeah, number one is uh, no spare tire. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse, not better. Um, or no spare tire and no run flat. So you're now stuck with essentially the minute you get a flat, you're screwed. 
Even though they have inflator kits on a majority of the cars that don't have a spare tire, my wife's car is a really good example, and so is my daughter's. Neither of them have spare tires. Yeah, it's cheaper to put in one of those inflator kits that has, like, the slime in it, right? The slime and maybe an air compressor right. as well. Right, and, and that, look, let's face it, that works if you have a screw. In one particular spot, but in if, the tread. if you blow out the tire, which, you know, your wife can certainly do. Knowing my wife? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kabloom! <laughs> that ain't going to do anything. It's not going to do a damn thing. Slime's not going to help, honey. The whole tire's gone. And here's the thing, once again, safety issue, right? Yes. Because I promise you, Nathan, when you blow out your tire, it's not going to be in front of your house on a sunny Sunday afternoon when you're like heading to the store with nothing to do but chop. It's going to be along the side of a road. In on, the Mojave. Or in the, like in the Mojave or, you know, on a very busy mo- Monday morning commute where it's crazy dangerous, right? right? Or like last night, uh, you know, you're driving and it's dark and it's freezing and it's cold and you're in a sketchy part of town. Yes. <laughs> that's that's when it's going to happen. Near my neighborhood, that's for sure. <laughs> and don't give me that, well, if you have AAA, it'll be fine. No, it won't be. There are times where your phone may not reach. There are times where you're going to be in an area that is hard to get to. And I've had blowouts in places where I could not call for help. Unfortunately, I've gotten out of those situations by having, I don't know, a spare tire. And I guess the automakers would say a lot of people don't know how to change a spare tire. But you know no, what? That's not the reason why they do it. There's good Samaritans who can come and help. From time to time. And there's bad people who can come and help <laughs> themselves to you <laughs> yes. and your wallet and your car. But it's, it's just... Gives us like I would never go off roading. You know, we just spent a, a, a boat ton of money making sure that like the Hummer has spare on it, right? Right. The Hummer didn't come with a spare. Which go figure. More that's than the reason why you hate it. Yeah, God, I know. just don't even go there. But but we wouldn't take it off road without us. Well, exactly. And then the other, there's another part of that. The, the Hummer, reason sorry. why a lot of automakers don't do it is Hummer, because. Um, if you look at a jack and if you look at the spare tire and all of that, you could be adding a lot of weight to a car. And the best way to make a car more efficient is to eliminate that weight, which is why a lot of them have gone to these compressors. And, uh, you know, they, they, they may throw an excuse out there of something else like, you know, well, most people don't like to change their own tires. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people who would specifically for what we brought well, up, well, but well, it's the weight. And this is also a trend, and you can do this airing of grievances on truck, on the uh-huh. truck podcast. It's also something we're seeing on trucks now, which is even more inexcusable because, you know, let's say you're hauling something, right, or towing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you, this whole world of pain that you don't want to be in without a spare. Oh, God, yeah. Now, fortunately, most pickup trucks that we know of have a spare tire underneath which is great, but I have a feeling as things modernize, including the truck that we have, this is a pickup truck. As much as the GMC Hummer might be other things as well, it is technically a pickup, and as such, it doesn't come standard well, with as, a spare. The other problem is as, you know, trucks, I don't want to get into trucks, but are coming, I'll just say this last thing, I'll leave that to you. Yeah. As trucks are coming with bigger uh, tires, 37s, mm-hmm. you, they don't fit underneath anymore. So you have to redesign the bottom of the truck to fit a 37. Which Ford has done, but not everybody has. Or, or you give it a little, like I did with the Hummer, which is a, basically a little pump with a little slime, which is yeah. what you got with the Hummer if you didn't opt to spend $2,400 really, for the spare really tire. Suck when you're off Which then takes up all of your bed space, so yeah. go figure. Anyway, guys, thank you for this airing of grievances. Uh, you sure you want to skip the feats of strength, Nathan? Because uh, I certainly do. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would I would arm wrestle anybody here at TFL for money. So that's that's my only benefit because they can outwalk me nine times out of ten. Yeah, Actually, I, they can. I think he's not going to brag about this, but you used to do those. Uh, what are those games called? The the the, the Scottish games. The uh, 
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Highland Games. Highland Games, where yeah, you like through. Well, caber toss was my thing. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I don't. Basically, want to, a telephone pole. Yeah, I don't um, want to go into. And the thing is, I'm not Scottish, but, but I had friends who were, and they kind of brought me in. Anyway, uh, have a wonderful holiday season, guys. We hope did you, you stay kilt? safe. Yes, I did. And, and did you wear it the authentic uh, no. way? Yeah, I was totally. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's me. Oh yeah, I was, I was, I was dangling in the wind. It was great. Uh, this was before I was married, obviously. So anyway, guys, have a wonderful holiday season. Yes, and uh, if you have any others that you think of, I'm sure there's a lot more that we didn't have on this. Uh, Please uh, include it. Uh, And as always, check out alltfl.com. And um, if you're listening to this, Nathan and I and Andre and Tommy created a special holiday card for all of you. It's all it's over at alltfl.com or it's on car. We put it on car. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, and of course. Is it Merry Festivus? Happy Festivus? It's ha- it, it, joyous Festivus. Festivus. Joyous Festivus. Oh, no. It's, a jo- it's Joyous Kwanzaa. Happy Holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I don't know which one Festivus is. But hey, have a great Festivus. Ciao. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.